I'll be reading um, scripture today from 2 Samuel um, 5, 1 to 5, and 6, 1 to 5. All the Israelite tribes came to David at Hebron and said, Listen, we are your very own flesh and bone. In the past, when Saul ruled over us, you were the one who led you were the one who led Israel out to war and back. What's more, the author of life told you, you will shepherd my people Israel and you will be Israel's leader. So all the Israelite elders came to the king at Hebron. King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord and they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he became king and he ruled for 40 years. He ruled over Judah for seven and a half years in Hebron. He ruled 33 years over all Israel in Judah and in Jerusalem. Once again, David assembled the select warriors of Israel, 30,000 strong. David and all the troops who were with him set out for Bala, which is Kirith-Jerem of Judah, to bring God's chest up from there. The chest that is called by the name of the author of life of heavenly forces, who sits enthroned on the winged creatures. They loaded God's chest on a new cart and carried it from Abinadab's house, which was in on the hill. Uzzah and Aho, Abinadab's sons, were driving the new cart. Uzzah was beside God's chest while Aho was walking in front of it. Meanwhile, David and the entire house of Israel celebrated in the author of life's presence with all their strength, with songs, zithers, harps, tambourines, rattles, and cymbals. Praise, <coughs> praise God, author of life. Praise God in the sanctuary. Praise God in the fortress, the sky. Praise God in the mighty acts. Praise God as suits and their incredible greatness. Praise God with the blast of the ram's horn. Praise God with lute and lyre. Praise God with drums and cymbals. Praise God with strength and pipe, string and pipe. Praise God with loud cymbals, praise God with crashing cymbals. Let every living thing praise the author of life. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. I invite you to sing hymn number 95, Praise the Lord, Sing Hallelujah.
Many of you know that we follow the narrative lectionary, which gives us our texts every Sunday. And so the texts we were given this Sunday, you've just heard Phil and Ian read for us from 2 Samuel and then from a psalm. And the intention of the narrative lectionary is clear. Today is to be a day of praise, a day of praising God, praise God, praise God, praise God, told along the alongside the story of David bringing the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, praising God, praising God, and praising God very specifically with instrumentation. In the psalm, we have 13 times in a row, praise God, 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 praise God. Was that 13? I don't know. I didn't count. <laughs> but it's over and over and over. And then those instruments we heard in Samuel. We don't even hear about these instruments in other parts of the Bible. Zithers, harps, tambourines, rattles, cymbals. And then in the psalm, we've got the blast of the ram's horn, lute, lyre, drum, dance, strings, pipe, loud cymbals, and clashing cymbals, not to be confused with one another. So that's the intent. That's the intent. Now, to be fair, under the best of circumstances, under sort of normal circumstances, praise is not my first move. <laughs> I'm too much of a, I guess, critical thinker, suspicious thinker, wanting to think complexly about things and not to simplify them, wanting to dig and dive, to say, to ask questions about whose voice is not represented in this text, who is the story not for. And so praise is not my first move. And there's something about that sort of unbridled praise, which you can see, like I, in my body, like I associate it with like, you know, raising hands and swaying to the music. This is part of my history. That is how I experienced praise as I was growing up in my body. And there's something about that that now, given my own journey, makes me uncomfortable. It frankly takes me back to those youthful days where the praise was associated with a certain posture, it was associated with a certain genre of music, it was associated, in my experience, with a great suspicion of thinking, a great suspicion of education and school and critical thinking and questions and doubt, God forbid, doubt. And so I carry all of that with me when I talk about praise not being my first move. <laughs> It was in those praise-filled days of my youth that we cared a lot about the eternal fires of damnation and hell that would happen somewhere down there to our souls after we were dead. I cared a lot less about the hells on earth. I cared a lot less about the humans around us who were experiencing a sincere hell on earth through poverty and violence and injustice and oppression. So under the best of circumstances, praise is not my first move. 
But these last weeks in our world have been far from the best of circumstances. Can't even escape it in the texts that we've been handed from the narrative lectionary to focus on praise. And it goes even more deeply than this, but I will tell you as I have read these texts in the last couple of days, I hear that the Israelite tribes came to David at Hebron and talked to him. So the Israelite elders came to the king at Hebron and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron. And David was 30 years old and blah, 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 in Hebron, and he ruled 37 years over Israel and Judah and Jerusalem. I mean, (laughs) Hebron, of all places, is named four times explicitly in this Samuel text. So this is not just the ark coming to Jerusalem. It's coming from Hebron. I have never been to Gaza. I've never stepped foot in Gaza but I have been to Hebron and Jerusalem and Hebron. And I have seen, borne witness with my own eyes, the apartheid that exists there of the Israeli state against the Palestinians. And that was almost exactly, I think next month will be exactly 20 years to the day that I was in Hebron. That was 20 years ago. And it was devastating then. And I can only imagine how much more today. I got to bear witness in Hebron, spent countless hours and days poring over maps. Maps are very important uh, in Israel and in Palestine, and they have been for a long time, decades. We spent hours and days poring over maps with Israeli and Palestinian leaders in the movement for justice. We visited the wall that was being constructed uh, very rapidly in those days. Um, Big chunks of it already in place and other chunks of it underway. Spent time talking with these seekers of justice in Israel and in Palestine and walking Hebron's caged, literally, caged streets. And again, this was 20 years ago, and in Hebron, not in Gaza. In the old city, at least at that time, there were about 400 Israeli settlers in illegal, of course, according to international law settlements, 400, and 40,000 Palestinians who walked caged streets to protect the 400 settlers. It was tough. It was tough in my body and in my spirit. And I felt grateful, of course, that we were meeting with all sorts of justice seekers who were trying to engage this. So praise. I've been handed texts to talk about the praise of God and instrumentation Really? How? Under the best of circumstances, it's a tough move for me to make, but I would have done my darndest. (laughs) And these are not the best of circumstances, friends, where genocide is literally happening right now. 
ethnic cleansing on a scale that we've barely seen in our lifetimes. Rwanda, there would maybe be some others. Uh, I, now I'm off the cuff, so you all. <laughs> where, where else have we experienced genocide of this level in our lifetimes? Maybe I'll just open it. Where? Myanmar, yes, Burma, Myanmar. Mm -hmm. Bosnia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And right now, right now in Gaza. So, praise is not my first move. It's not what I instinctually do or where I instinctually go. It's not the first thing that I come to church for is praise. Again, some of that is those sort of old messages in my body and my spirit about what constitutes praise. So that's not why I come here. But also, but also I think I need it. So here's me doing my darndest to preach praise on a day like today. I think I need it, or at least I think I might do it regardless. Debbie Thomas, writing in the Christian century, also kind of reflected on these texts and saying, why do we worship? Why do we worship? Do we think God needs it? Is God a megalomaniac who needs us to worship and praise them? <laughs> and she posits that perhaps we are the ones who need to worship God. <laughs> Perhaps we are the ones who need to give God thanks and praise. Because worship is more than just expressive. It's more than a performance. It's more than just expressive. It is at its best formational. It is transformational. It helps to create who we are as individuals and who we are as a community and who we are in the world. This experience of worshiping God forms us. It forms us. And Richard Rohr, as he puts it, we have to be careful because we will always become the God we worship. We have to be careful about who it is that we worship, what it is that we worship, because we will become the God that we worship. And so she says, Debbie Thomas, that it's taken her a while to realize she's always worshiping something. Perhaps we all are. If worship is the act of giving honor and reverence and attention, then we're always worshiping something. Devotion, admiration, go O.L. Rain. We're always worshiping something, right? So if worship is as natural as, as breathing, if it's something that we just do, something is going to catch, capture our attention, and then we devote hours of our days or weeks to it, that is the object of our worship and our praise as our gaze is directed at that. And so that's part of why I say I need praise. I need praise of God. I need to come here because I need to be formed to keep God in my gaze, to keep God in my attention, to keep aligning myself and my loves with the divine love. In the Psalm, Psalm 150, 
Praise God, 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 praise God. And then at the end, let every living thing, everything that has breath in it, praise God. It echoes that Genesis story, that creation story that we tell of how and why we came to be and how and why God made us and God breathing into living creatures the breath, the spirit of life. And here in the psalm, we have humans giving, not just humans, every living thing, everything that has breath in it, giving that breath back in this beautiful circular movement of life. So why do we praise God? Why do I praise God? Why do I praise God this morning? This morning. When people are dying. I praise God not for God's sake, but for my own so that I can return to my breath, the thing that gives me life, so I can return to my body, so I can return to this body, to the community, to y'all, to whom I belong, so that I can return to the heart of God, the heart of God where I seek to reside and from which I seek to move in this world. We come together and praise a God that we say is love. We come together to praise a God that we say is life. We come together to praise a God whom we say is liberation, is the creator of all and the liberator of all and the sustainer of all who longs for wholeness and well-being. We come to praise that God, to return to God's heart so that that can fuel our movements for liberation and justice in the world that we can directly flow from that breath of God through us to all the world. And so I join you in praising God, praising our God of love and of life, our God of joy and liberation, so that my overwhelm can become empathy, so that my grief can become action, so that my despair can become solidarity, Let all that is in me praise God, the God of love and life and liberation. Let every living thing that has breath praise God, the God of love and life and liberation. Amen. Amen. And may it be so in us and through us to all the world.